Welcome to another edition of the Liga Mekis Preview, brought to you by the Mexican Soccer Show. I'm your host, Cesar Hernandez, and today we're going to discuss Tigres attempting to bounce back after the latest surprising loss, Pumas gaining new momentum, Cruz Azul being Cruz Azul, and much more. And joining me today is someone who you all know from his excellent Getting CONCACAF newsletter. It's my good friend, John Arnold. How are you, man? Uh, thanks for joining us. What's up, Cesar? It's a pleasure. I always like to, to chat with you, you know, a little behind the curtain. Uh, we generally catch up for about as long as we record the podcast as well. So we should probably do like a, a little social Zoom or something or, or actually pick up the phone and call each other. But until then, I'm fine with using this as an excuse to, to talk about both uh, Mexican football and each other's lives. So it's always fun, man. It's, it's good to be here. Also, I was doing my best not to laugh during the intro because john was changing his background yeah uh, baby 2021 <laughs> 2020 was the year of virtual backgrounds 2021 is the year of even better virtual backgrounds this one looks like i don't even know what this one's going for it's like a microsoft paint sort of motif i'll stick with that one for now so i don't distract you there we go <laughs> but john uh to kick things off i've been recently asking my guests three questions before diving into the big games of the weekend and since you covered the league in its entirety as opposed to a specific team, I have three questions for you about the league in general. So you ready for this? Maybe. Uh, ready as I'll ever be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, speaking about like behind the curtain, John has no idea what I'm about to ask him here. So he hasn't prepped for this. All right. So, John, number one, if you had to pick only one League of Mikey's team to watch the season and nobody else, who would it be? I think I would pick... It's a, maybe it's a little boring, but I think I would pick Rayados because I'm so fascinated okay. by Aguirre. I think I think it's so interesting that that, that Vasco Aguirre is back with this team, a talented team, but a team that was really really bad last tournament, right? And in some yeah. ways, we're still the reigning champion, but they were bad. So it's a talented group. I think there's a lot of elements that are that are fascinating, and I I just think Vasco is such an interesting character, you know, with the trajectory that he's had coaching in all sorts of different continents, you know, Europe, Africa, Asia, coaching in, and now being back in Mexico, I think is an interesting subplot. And I think that, you know, we've seen the early results that something's working there, right? But I also think that he's sort of this like mental master in a lot of ways and really cares about like how players are thinking. And I think that can be interesting to watch manifest itself on the field. So I'll pick Rayados. I like that answer. I'm going to go Cruz Azul just because I feel bad for them, but I'm expecting more drama. <laughs> All right, question. Yeah, the problem there is that you get to yeah. you know, like you can only you can only watch one round of the playoffs. Hey, no, I mean, well, I guess they made it two last year, but then <laughs> and then it ended spectacularly, right? So, yeah, I mean, they're a fascinating team too. I'm sure we'll get to them a little bit later in the show. Oh, uh, we're definitely going to be talking about Cruz Azul later. Um, question number two. All right, so imagine you're given an hour to chat with any current player or coach in Liga Mekis. Who comes to mind? Well, I just mentioned Vasco. I mean, I think he's he's a fascinating one. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of like unknown uh, faces, I guess, in the league. Um, different people who you're just like, oh yeah, like that's that's very interesting. You know, I haven't really heard much about him. I haven't really thought much about him. You know, I'm thinking of like, uh, I'm stalling because I can't even think of his name. Pueblo's new manager. Like he just came out of nowhere, right? And Lodica all of a sudden, it's like, I think it's I think it's Lodica Mon or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the, and and you know, like all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, you're a manager of like a team that has aspirations, and like last week got a win, and like we know nothing about him. No one knows anything about him. But I, I don't know. I don't think that's my pick. I mean, this might be a boring answer as well, but it, I think it's Gignac. Yeah. Because 
Zuniak is is look, he's 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 the biggest star in the league, right? But he also doesn't do much press, but he still managed to like utilize social media and even just like you know, doing things in the community and, you know, interacting with fans, even when he's on the field that like people do feel like they know him. But I think the fact that first of all, he came to Mexico, it was sort of a risk, not sort of, it was a big risk, but he got off the plane and just spoke perfect Spanish and, and just made such an impact culturally that I want to know where that connection to the fans, the, the Libres y Locos, to other Tigres fans come in. And and also hear more about like why don't you talk to the press? Even the French press have trouble getting in touch with you. You know what's your relationship with that? Are you gonna stay in Mexico after you retire? Are you gonna go back to France? You know I think there's so many different directions it could go in. And especially if it was like not even that serious, not for an article, it'd be a lot of fun to just catch up with him and just be like, hey, like what kind of guy are you really like? Because he seems fun, right? He seems like he'd definitely be you know people like who supposedly vote for president based off of who they want to have a beer with. I'd, I'd definitely have a beer with Zuniak, and I have a hunch that he might throw a few back as well. I like it. I like it. All right. Number three, is the gap closing between MLS and – I'm just kidding. Uh, question number three, <laughs> um, best meal that you've had at a Liga Mackey's game? It could be in the press box, just outside of a stadium, inside the stadium. Like, what comes to mind when you think of, like, the best meal that you've had? Wow. I've had some good meals. I, I try not to eat in the stadium. I think that very right. rarely is the in-stadium culinary experience the best option, especially for, right. you know, if you're in the press box, if you're credentialed, no, no, you never get, and that's, okay, that's a little unfair because, like, sometimes you get some decent spreads, but, like, nah, you know, if you're talking about the true food, I think that, you know, like, I lived in Tijuana, and, you know, you you go there often, Cesar, and that's oh, one I of did. the best cities in the world. <laughs> yeah, well, when we could go. When we could go places. No, but, it, but it'll return to being one of the best regions in the world to visit for from a food and drink perspective. And one of the best meals in TJ, it's not the finest dining, but and it's not even the best, might not even be the best street food, but Torta's Washmobile, the, the, yes. the Torta. Man, like, and, and it's easy to to stop so like if you cross the border if you walk across walk to centro pick up the the taxi ruta the red taxi and then you go along a boulevard you can just stop about halfway and there's the tortas wash in, in la cacho you can just pick that up boom delicious sandwich lots of meat good salsa some some veggies if that's your thing i get the onions for sure but not too many i'm not a tomatoes guy and then and then you're right back on the way to the stadium so if you want to say like ah that's game day food i think that that would have to qualify a good a good torta from tortas wash Dude, I've I've only been there once. I know John's giving me a hard time, and he, he's always told me he's like, dude, you gotta go visit this place. You gotta go visit that place. You gotta go visit. I know it took me, I think, a solid like two years to finally visit Tortas Washburnview, but yeah, it was not. It, it I I I just can't believe it took me that long to actually visit, but it was absolutely incredible. So, hundred percent agree with Tortas Washburnview. And there's amazing food in the rest of Mexico for sure. Like obviously, yeah. Mexico City is a great place to eat. Like uh, Leon is a great place to eat. Guadalajara, I, I, I'm not a Tortas Ahogadas fan, so like maybe that'll oh. get me you know, kicked off this pod. But like for some reason, Dang. I don't really, it doesn't connect with me. And I love almost every other street food. So um, but maybe that's why I'm a little harsh on, on Guadalajara. But, you know, but you can eat well there, no doubt. So, you know, anywhere you can get to. And look, man, I'll, I would take anywhere right now. If you said we're going to send you to the worst culinary city in Mexico right now, but it's going to be safe, I'd go. But, uh, but I, I think TJ is just a special a special experience and uh and obviously where i've eaten the most meals so that, that's my that's my go-to i guess is tortas wash tacos frank tacos poblanos also good you know in tj and 
You're not going to run out of spots to eat there, that's for sure. But I'll stick with that as my answer. All right, love it. Well, John, let's dive into some of the more interesting games of this weekend. And speaking of Guadalajara, we're going to start with Atlas versus Tigres. That'll be this Saturday. I mean, John, it it looked like Tigres were going to have a strong start to the year, and then they lost to Santos last week. Gignac is now injured. I mean, speaking of Gignac, yeah, he reportedly might be returning at some point next week. But even after all that, Tigres are probably still the favorites here, right? I mean, maybe Atlas could surprise them. I mean, Liga Mekis, you predict the unpredictable, but I just, I feel like this will will be a very good opportunity for Tigres to bounce back. Yeah, here's the thing. You you mentioned, hey, Tigres, they didn't have the best start to the season. Neither is Atlas, right? Atlas lose Julio Furch in a preseason friendly, and he was their big offseason signing. It's like, oh, finally, we got a score. You know, there was the drama of Furch. For moving to San, from Santos and maybe not wanting to and, and all those things. And and then they come out and lose their first two. So it's like, yeah, that, that's not that's not what you wanted. It wasn't like, oh, we rallied around the fact that we're losing. Nah, like it's like they didn't really show that much. I think Atlas is a club that should get things turned around at some point, but it, it seems like we say that a lot. And so far things haven't gone well. I mean, they conceded in the very first minute of their season, right? So it was like, this isn't going well. And to add to that, they haven't scored in their last four games at home, I believe, and they haven't yeah. beaten Tigres, or they haven't. Uh, Tigres hasn't lost to Atlas in the last like seven tournaments. So you definitely think this is a big bounce back spot for Tigres after that loss to Santos. And look, like obviously Gignac is such a such a, a, a gravitational force. Like he he sucks up all the attention in the room. He sucks up attention from defenses, etc. But even without him, you know, the, the roster that uh, Tuca Ferretti was able to put out last week, although it right. was a losing one, it's still, you know, any, you know, Carlos Gonzalez, Leo Fernandez, Javier Aquino, either Quinones, Luis, Julian, these are guys who not only start, but are stars on most other Liga Mekis teams. <laughs> And, and most teams in the Americas, like this is a stacked team. And we say that every year and like they still sort of sleepwalk at times. And, you know, I think the Club World Cup is going to is going to wreak havoc. But it's tough to see that happening this weekend just because Atlas have struggled as much as they have. I mean, I think if, if Tigres were playing a team that had a bit more in the tank or I had faith that like Caraglio was the answer there and like he's going to make a big difference or make a much of an impact as Furt would have then maybe things are, are different. But I, I just think Atlas, you know, they, they have a lot of struggles. And and yeah, for me, it's a bounce back spot for Tigres, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, and Duca usually, I mean, he usually needs a few weeks to exit out of preseason mode. But I think he now needs to fine tune his methods ahead of the Club World Cup. And I, and I think we've seen Tigres at their best when they get that good run of late season form. But he needs to fix things now you know it, it looked like he lost yeah. that tactical battle to santos uh mm-hmm. last week i mean santos made uh, it was uh, almada who made some late subs who helped get the win so i think duca can't really get too comfortable now in the early weeks of the season and like you said i mean with that roster that Tigres have i mean it's, they have no excuses i know maybe some people might have been critical of Carlos Gonzalez and Leo Fernandez in the front line, but those are two incredible players. And maybe just a few more days in training will help them gel a bit more. And and maybe we'd be having a different conversation too if 
if that penalty went in, right. maybe that would have helped. Make some penalties. Could, yeah. yeah, exactly. You, you, exactly. You, you, missed, you missed a pair of penalties. Like, I mean, obviously, it's a different game if that happens. That's the thing is that even when Tigres, you know, they're, they're not, a, they don't, they never look like, oh my gosh, they're unbeatable. I, I, I don't yeah. think. But they also very rarely look like, oh my gosh, they're out of control, going to lose this game, right? Like they always seem to have, even when they lose, even even against Santos, yeah. like it looks like they have things under control. Now it falls apart now and then, but you know they they know how they want to play. They're a very experienced team, maybe too experienced. Maybe they could use a little fresh blood. Um, you know, Fernandez struggles, I think, to get minutes under Tuca is, is sort of a symptom of of you know his the lack of interest in changing but also i think in in some of the ways that tigres could get a little better but that being said i mean you know i, I think even if they are not flexible in this game against atlas they should be able to win but you know uh, like you're saying anything can happen atlas also if you want to say tuka's desperate for a win so are atlas right yeah <laughs> need to get something going in the right direction and if you win at home against tigres i think people are going to say oh okay maybe we're not so bad this year maybe we're not going to get that relegation fine that it looks like almost 100 percent they're gonna have to deal with <laughs> yeah. and maybe there's maybe there is hope on the horizon but uh I don't know. but yeah i mean i i think i you know it's tough not to pick tigres if we're picking uh teams you know yeah and like you i mean there's as you mentioned there's not much to say about atlas so far this season you know as you mentioned too you know coca was thrown a curveball after the injury to, to julio forge and i could you know i, I know uh rochan caraglio like recently came uh well Caraglio came back but Rocha stepping into the team now and I can imagine them with Marcora Luciano Costa like that could work out but it needs time yeah. and yeah yes. the early, early days I, in this season it's just two losses no goals no wins it's just not pro- it's just not promising just yet I think all those attacking players we've <laughs> the weird thing is we've seen them have success in various places Acosta was great at DC United you know, Malcora with with uh, with two teams before in Liga Mekis, mm-hmm. Ibarra, you know, whether he should be playing or not. Like, you know, we, we've seen these guys have success. It's just that I don't know that any of them are well set up to play with each other. And it certainly is going to take time. That's, that's what I'm saying. I think Atlas will eventually become a respectable team, which is a step up from where they've been in the past, what, man, five, six tournaments. Um, but I, I don't think they're there yet. Yeah, agreed. All right, let's move on to Queretaro versus Pumas on Sunday. I mean, John, there's there's no Carlos Gonzalez for Pumas after he went to Tigres. Dineno recently suffered an injury and is now out uh, for apparently four weeks. But it still seems like there's hope for this young Pumas roster who were, I, I, I mean, they were, the, for me, the story of the last week after the 3 nothing win over Mazatlan, so they had to because they were the only team that scored any freaking goals. It was like the worst. It was the worst uh, tournament for goals. Uh, They're just the saving their energy for, for week three. Just saving their energy yeah. for week three, right? <laughs> it's not a bad call. It's not a bad call. No, I, I, I uh, Stavis kicks the, the the great guy in Twitter account. Uh, I think, or maybe it was Andres SN. Uh, one of the the stats accounts tweeted that it was like the worst weekend for goals in Liga MX <laughs> in, in like five or six years or something like that, and it was like the second or third lowest in short tournament history. So anyway, hopefully we see some more goals this weekend, and and the hope is from Pumas that they'll come again. They put three past Matatlan, and you mentioned Dineno's out, but Montejano, this young player, yeah, he comes in and he doesn't miss a beat, right? So you know, first of all. Always great to see a player in Liga Mekis get to start wearing 200-something. Uh, I think he's like number 210 <laughs> or 209 or something yeah. to kind of symbolize being an underage player. So that's always fun. But but I think, man, 
like Andres Lilini, you mentioned that they were the story of last week. For me, they were the story of last tournament, not just because yeah. of the, the comeback against Cruz Azul, just because whenever Michel left, it was like, oh, this team is hosed. They already were, were losing important players. They already were dealing with, you know, budgetary issues. And then Michel, who's this sort of like, ah, wise foreign influence, he pieces out, he flies the coop, and it's like, they're in big trouble. And they weren't, right? Lilini got them pulling in the same direction. The defense, I think, was better than expected. Uh, and, and then all of a sudden you had goals coming in as well from, from some from Gonzalez, but Dineno has proved to be a great signing. And at the back, you know, Johan Vasquez and Alan Mozo are, give a lot of hope for Mexico fans for, for national team prospects, right? So the right side of defense is good. Left side, maybe that's where you attack if you're Caretro. But I think that between, you know, Carlos Gutierrez, Iturbe, and this young, this young forward Montejano, yeah, maybe you you see. I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't put money on Pumas to go over two to score three goals again, but maybe there's hope that this team can pick up where they left off, even without Carlos Gonzalez. Yeah, and it's interesting too because I mean I, I feel like the same way I talked about them in the preseason last season. That's kind of how I was approaching them in in, in early 2021. I was like, oh, you know, Carlos Gonzalez could be gone. I'm not entirely sure if Talavera can keep playing at that level. They're going to have to rely on their young players. But, I mean, for me, they're exceeding expectations, you know, once again. And I, I think they could once again be that big story uh, for this Glossoot if their young roster and their academy players, you know, potentially carry them into a, you know, deep run into the playoffs. I mean, you mentioned Montejano, who had a goal and assist in his Liga Mekis debut. I mean, I, I'm also a big fan of Carlos Gutierrez, who's been excellent on the right wing. Uh, Eric Lira has been solid as a defensive midfielder. You mentioned Johan Vasquez as well. And I mean, I know much has been made online from fans uh, who just see them as a team with no money to spend. And that's why these young players are getting minutes. But these players have been really, really promising so far. And and of course, you still have to live it at net. I, I definitely thought maybe he would, he wouldn't be able to continue playing at the level he was last season but i mean he's still killing it you know he's still killing it and it's pretty confusing for a lot of mexican national team fans because you're scratching your head and you're like i guess i guess he he might be getting minutes like this year for the national team i have no idea yeah no i definitely i mean i think he's been impressive uh, when he's healthy right now and then he picks up a couple injuries but other than that he's been good and like you said you know i think there's there's more than just you know, if you if you have to rely on young players, yeah, sure, that can be a, a bit of a, a weakness. But if the young players play well, then no problem. You know, Salcedo is a guy who had a starting role at this time last year. Mm-hmm. And we haven't even mentioned him. I think he came yeah. off the bench for 10 or 15 minutes uh, against uh, against Mazatlan. So, yeah, you're looking at a team that, despite the fact that we're like, ooh, they're not deep, they have some issues. In some respects, they could be, right? But let's talk Quereto a little bit as well because yeah. – you know, they get the victory last weekend against Atlas. You know, I feel like we're just trash on Atlas, but I'm going to say it could have been worse. I think they missed a penalty in the first half and then got the goal in the second half. Yeah, you know, a team that, that, that sort of was, I guess, ransacked for players, but then all of a sudden, like, they've got Antonio Valencia on yeah. the field now. And <laughs> there are not a lot of other familiar faces. Like, Anel Sepulveda will be known to longtime watchers of the league. And, you know, there's a couple other guys who it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember him with another team, maybe. But, like, there are a lot of question marks here as well. And, and maybe in the same way as Pumas, like, if these young players perform, then you could see them having a better than expected season. And especially with the repechaje and everything now, like, maybe they could get into to some postseason action. I, I think Retro in some ways could be a bit of a, a team to watch, although I think they're a team that 
myself included, a lot of us don't know that much about. Yeah, exactly. When I saw that golasso uh, from Da Costa off the bench for Querétaro, I was like, who is this guy? I have to go wiki him. I have no <laughs> idea. It's like, oh, okay, he was playing in the lower leagues. Okay. But like, but like you mentioned, I mean, we shouldn't overlook the fact that you know, Antonio Valencia is with the team. He recently, the captain, and it was also kind of interesting, like started as a right back and then eventually, Querétaro manager uh, Hector uh, Alta Mirano was like, "Nah, you're too good. Go play as a center mid, man." Like, so it was interesting to see him take on that role. But yeah, it, it could be kind of fascinating. We'll see. So I, I think we got to keep tabs on. Uh, I, I had no idea that there was a former Real Monarch striker who's now with Querétaro, um, Joe uh, Joe Gallardo, uh, who made his league make his debut with them. Twenty uh, three old San Diegan who is part of Monterrey's youth academy. Um, so for anybody who's keeping tab on you know young Mexican Americans within the league, I thought that was actually that was definitely a fascinating signing for him. And I had no idea that he was uh, with Guerrero, but but yeah, that's your I mean, San Diego bias, man. You're just interested in that because he's from the America's finest city. That's the only reason you bring that up. <laughs> There's a lot of reasons, like young Mexican American. I'm like, all right, cool. Like that's, a guy, yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah. like uh, you know, is from San Diego. Definitely also interested. But <laughs> no, who knows? We'll see. We'll you know keep an eye on him. And also, I mean, like you said, it's. It's, it's 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 a little tough for them because yeah, for Querétaro, yes, a lot of these players are you know come from Atlante, so you know it gives them a little bit of a disadvantage when you consider the roster of other Liga Mekis teams. But I mean, they got the job done against Atlas and against Pumas. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I don't. I don't. You know. I, I are we making picks on this? I keep making my pick. Are we making are picks? Making... All right. I'll make a pick. All right. I mean, I keep, I guess this one's I don't, an easy. I don't one. like making picks, but I. You, you, what are you doing? All right, so obviously first game, Tigres win. Second game, Pumas win. I agree with you. I might be tempted. If I were actually a betting man, I might be tempted to take the draw. Caretra at home. Oh. Um, yeah, they were good last week, man. What can I say? They, they look good, but they were playing Atlas. So I think you have to take that into account. I think Pumas is a stronger team, but Caretra at home with plenty to prove. Uh, I, you know, you, I wouldn't be surprised if, I don't love taking two road winners in Liga Mekis, even if it's even if they're as favored as they should be of the two games we talked about. So, I'll 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 pick a draw there. All right, Antonio Valencia with a golasso is what John Idol was saying, right? Yeah. You know, it's funny because uh, when he went when he left Manchester United and went to Quito in Ecuador, his kind of home club, uh, he was playing in a lot of different roles as well. He was moving around a lot and I think was playing more even as a right winger than as a right back, even though they put him at right back at times. So he's a guy who definitely can move around the field and, and obviously has been adept at that all a long time. And I think like, yeah, OK, you don't have the legs to play in the Premier League anymore. That's not necessarily going to stop you from being effective in Liga Mekis. Agreed. Agreed. All right, let's move on to Pachuca versus Cruz Azul. That'll be on Monday. And John, this is. Is this going to be three losses in a row for Cruz Azul, new manager, Juan Reynoso? I mean, you can never take Pachuca lightly, and they're often a tricky opposition, especially at home. That's true. I think that may be a little less true this season. I haven't okay. been impressed with what I've seen from them the first two nights, and I've seen them uh, both of them because it's like, oh, it's the only thing on a Monday night. <laughs> uh, they kind of got rescued in that first uh, first leg against Waters, you know, which came out and, and really gave it to them at home. And then that Leon game has some terrible officiating. But, you know, they both had a goal that I thought should have been called, taken off the board, and then probably committed a penalty and a red card that also didn't go on the board. So it, maybe it's tough to take anything from that game. But I, I didn't think that they were extremely impressive. That said, I mean, all the pressure is on 
Reynoso and Cruz Azul mm-hmm. because it always is. And that was always going to be the challenge for him going into the season is, look, like it's one thing if you just become the manager of Cruz Azul and you, you know, played there and understand what it means. And like, that's already enough pressure. You're, you're managing this grande. You know, they haven't won anything since 1997. I haven't won a league championship since 1997. The pressure's on, right? But it's another thing entirely, I think, to, for the directors to come out after, you know, what happened with Ciborli and say, mm-hmm. this is what Cruz Azul is about. We will win. We will go farther in the playoffs and making these promises essentially to the fan base. But as a coach, you have to know, yeah, like I might have an XG of like three and my other team might have an XG of like 0.3 and they still might win the game, right? I can't guarantee results, right? Mm-hmm. Even if our team is better, which they didn't really get that much better in the offseason either, uh, I can't necessarily say 100%, yeah, we're going to win this game, right? So I think he was put in a really, really difficult situation. And I hope that even if they lose their next two or three and they start off 0 for 3 or 0 for 4, you know, that's pretty typically in, in, in the Yamekis and really in most leagues, a recipe for you getting your, your pink slip, getting, getting fired. But I, I think that they should give him a longer time, a longer leash, just because I think they've tossed him to the wolves, essentially. And he's like, yeah, all right, I'll do it. I love this club. I love this. I love what this club means to the community. Like, I'm going to do it, right? So that said, the first two weekends didn't go as planned. They, they For were numerous over- reasons. Luckily, you know, there was nothing off the field that was distracting at all regarding Cruz's soul, right? Nothing re- regarding a certain player who may have been taking part of a in a party or not. Uh- <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can all. We, we, I was going to say we've all been there, but no, we haven't. A lot of us have been in lockdown for real. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nah, man. I mean, but that's 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 what I'm saying. Like those things are going to happen, and I I would say Cesar, like the first two games they've lost. They haven't been played off the field. They haven't been terrible, yeah, right? Agreed. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I think that Cruz Azul has a chance in this game, both between me being sort of, like, unimpressed by Tusos and thinking that, like, Cruz Azul has been okay. I, I also think that, like, you know, if they could get everyone back, which it doesn't seem like they're going to for a while because of... Well, I don't think anyone's going to have, like, a full squad for a while just because of the nature of, of COVID-19 and 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 injuries and stuff but like Adrete came into the the Puebla game late um Elias Hernandez came in you know like some of the players that you might expect Reynoso to lean on either in a starting 11 or as regulars off the bench haven't been available and now they're starting to get back into the mix so I wouldn't hate to see uh for, if I'm a Cruz Azul fan I wouldn't be like ah yeah like we're, we're toast because if you can get some of those guys integrated into the squad I think that your team is better and deeper, which yeah. is important right now. So maybe there's hope on the horizon is what I'm saying um, for Cruz Azul. But are you ready to bury them, Cesar? Uh, I, mean, I mean, I think I mean, it's a good point that you brought up about Pachuca because it didn't seem to work out in the last game. Uh, you know, I, I, my, I'm now worried that my assumption that Maro Quiroga will immediately fix things isn't going to be true. And he only, I don't think he had a single shot in that match. And in their first, uh, in their first game, they needed basically a header from him in what like the 95th minute <laughs> to essentially yeah to essentially uh, secure the equalizer so maybe that's gonna need uh, a little bit more time but i don't know i'm still fascinated by this by this pachuca squad they have Quiroga, they have victor guzman eric aguirre luis chavez ismael sosa i mean these are decent options but yeah yeah it's funny too because they brought in santiago mosquera the colombian who i've been watching right. dallas yeah. for the last several years off the bench and he was awful in Dallas nice guy I wish him the best he could mm-hmm. not 
for whatever reason, he didn't fit. And he's not the kind of player. There's some guys who don't work in MLS. They sign in Mexico, and you're like, ah, yeah, like his game is better suited to that. I don't think that's true for him. But he came off the bench and made a pretty quick game. Tad, he set up uh, De La Rosa uh, for like a really, really good chance that he that he wasn't able to take advantage of, sent it right at the keeper. So, you know, they're, they're, their squad is not bad either. Right? They're, they're not, you don't look at them and just like, ah, yeah, in the garbage heap. Like they should have playoff aspirations, but so far I don't think they've been able to play up to their potential. Actually, really quick question for you. It's a little bit of a tangent, but what's what's with the connection between Pachuca and FC Dallas? It seems like they've been making some like trades yeah. recently. Yeah, I, I assume. I mean, you're in the Dallas area. Yeah, it's fascinating because the late Fernando Clavijo, who was the technical director, you know, the guy who makes all the moves, sporting director, whatever you want to call him, you know, is the Mexican equivalent for FC Dallas. He and uh, the Pachuca directors. We're very close. Clavijo, uh, oh, you know, okay. played in a lot of different leagues and, and really had connections all throughout Latin America. But whenever they played that CONCACAF Champions League game, even before that, that, you know, a couple people at FC Dallas told me, oh, yeah, we've always really liked what they do because they have the same philosophy. These are clubs that, that want to invest in the academy, sell right. their best players, but still compete for some trophies, right? I think they all know, oh, we're not going to be the, we're not going to be America. Or we're not going to be the Seattle Sounders. We're not going to win the trophy every single year, but we want to be in the hunt. And so that, that, that 2016, I think it was, uh, CONCACAF Champions League game between those two teams sort of strengthened those ties. But I've been interested because it's continued after the passing, the, the, the unfortunate death of Clavijo to, to cancer. Um, they've they've kept it up, and I think there's a link between ownership there. I think that that Dan Hunt, the owner of FC Dallas, still considers Pachuca as sort of a, an ally and a club that they they keep tabs with. And then the youth ranks, where you know now Luchi Gonzalez, who was the academy director at FC Dallas, is now the head coach. They always play you know tournaments and you know friendlies, U17, U20s, etc. Because they, they like that you know the FC Dallas is you know, results-based and considers themselves the best youth club in, in America and America and America and, uh, and, uh, and Pachuca same in Mexico. Right. So I think they like that, that sort of head to head competition. And I think that's where you see a lot of those ties. I, I, I thought that it would sort of um, pass along with, with Clavijo's passing, but it's been interesting to see those clubs kind of keep up this relationship. So yeah, it, it is interesting, and they definitely do have a back and forth with uh, Hada, Franco Hada coming to, to Dallas, yeah. and then Mosquera uh, going the other way, which I don't think was the plan. You know, they weren't like, oh, we'll send Mosquera to you guys after Hada comes in the summer. No, no, they were done with Mosquera. He actually signed, I believe, on a free with Pachuca, but I think with, with you know, information from Dallas. So once Oscar Pareja gets tired of Orlando, he'll just uh, move over to, to Pachuca, and then that's you know what we'll what, take man? <laughs> Talk about a tangent, but like I, yeah. I do think it's disappointing that 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 Oscar didn't get a more of a chance with Cholos. I don't think he did a bad job. I think job that could be said for a lot of Cholos managers. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. And, and I think like, but but one thing that I, that bums me out a little bit is I think that, you know, it would be great to see an MLS coach especially one who's like from Colombia, like Pareja and speaks fluent Spanish and like loves the, the Mexican game in a lot of ways. But like anybody, I think it'd be great to see, you know, I'd love to see Bob Bradley coaching Liga Mekis, just like we're seeing Almeida uh, coaching in MLS right now. It would be great to see, just to see what happens, right? It'd be fun to watch. And I know everyone wants to see like Herrera in MLS as well. Yeah, sure. Like that, that you know, I would watch that. Don't get me wrong. But like, I, I think like MLS coaching has really, really taken a step forward in the last oh, yeah five years and and if they could prove that in the best league in the region the best league in, in CONCACAF no doubt uh, in Mexico then then I think that would be fascinating so look I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be upset at all to see Pareja or, or someone else uh, move to to Mexico and 
and, and kind of increase that interchange in a sporting way. We talk all the time about the commercial ties, the business reasons that these leagues are getting closer. But if we could see that, you know, extend or, or even be prioritized on the field, I think that would be more interesting than, than, uh, than Leagues Cup, I guess is what I'm saying. But, you know, great to see. Well, Reynoso continues to have problems. Maybe Cruz Azul will take a chance of one of those uh, MLS managers. But just to bring it back to Pachuca versus Cruz Azul, <laughs> that, was a, that was a good little transition. Do you like that? I bring it all together? You know, uh, I, but if we're, if we're going, I mean, I guess if we're making picks here, I'm going to go with a draw. I think uh, Cruz Azul, they uh, clearly have had some issues. I don't think they're going to end up losing three in a row. I think they're going to end up... Uh, I don't know, maybe making a little bit more of a challenge than they have in the in their previous games. But with Pachuca, as much as I want that model Quiroga, you know, project to work with Pachuca, I think it's definitely going to need a little bit more time. So I, I'm, I'm going with a low scoring draw here. I don't know. What, what do you think, John? Give me La Machina. I'll consider my, I'll continue my uh, slander. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't bet. There's a reason I don't bet. It's that I rarely know what is going to happen. I'm fascinated by it. I like to talk about it. I'm interested in it. But if I knew what was going to happen, if I was making big bucks as a as a sports better, uh, then you and I probably wouldn't be talking on this podcast. I sorry, I'd be yeah. on an island somewhere. And also, we probably shouldn't bet on soccer anyways, just because like one mistake can really ruin everything. But anywho, it's it's unlike like basketball where you have enough mistakes that kind of like fix themselves like over time within like the the entirety of the match. And soccer, one I mistake. Trying, I thought you were trying to implicate like you know like the match manipulation scandals of the past, and like, we're like soccer we're soccer journalists, so like we shouldn't like use inside information. I was like, no, oh, I guess that's true. I guess that's true. <laughs> no, 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 that's not. That would be pretty funny. Um, all right, John, really quick. I, we, I feel like we do have to quickly bring up um, the COVID cases and how they've impacted games this weekend. Um, following reports of Monterrey players testing positive, their match versus Leon has been postponed for March 10th. Uh, Globe America also put out a statement saying that some of their players were showing symptoms after facing Monterrey and earlier today, um, that's on uh, Thursday, the league announced that Medica versus Juarez will be postponed for February 3rd. I mean, just John, just thoughts on this situation because it's just, it's, yeah. I, it's, I feel like it it, it's, it's, yeah, it sucks. It, it, it's, it's, I feel like almost it's, it's inevitable. But then again, maybe we should be rethinking about the protocols of the league. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know your, your, your thoughts on the situation. Well, I think the biggest issue is that Rayados say, hey, we followed all the protocols and mm -hmm. I think they might be right. And if you're following the protocols and yet 17 members, I think, total of, of, yeah first team and staff combined uh, end up infected with, with COVID-19, then we probably need to reevaluate the protocols, especially if they yeah. were like, yeah, we can play this game against America, no problem. And then America's players are like, yeah, we got infected too. Now, it, I think it's also dangerous because of the way the virus works and because of the, what we've seen to just say, oh, well, America players got it from, uh, from, from Monterrey, right? Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. it's entirely possible they could have gotten it from any number of totally reasonable places. You know, someone's spouse got it from work and gave it to them, whatever, right? Then those are things where it's like, that's just happening now. That's how the virus is spreading. You know, we're all dealing with this in the globe unless you live in a place like New Zealand where they've kind of gotten it figured out, right? And even then there's, there's restrictions and everything. So it's a bummer and it's too bad, but I think it is worth the league taking a look at the protocols overall and saying, and, and taking more of a, Look, it's like big picture, but like in Liga Mekis, it seems like the clubs control an awful lot. And I think a, a sort of more federal government type model could be uh, better for them.
And especially since we're already seeing this in week two, and we saw the impact that it had. I mean, I mean, I, the case I keep thinking about is like Cholos last season or, or Chivas, where you saw, like, for example, I forgot which player it was within Chivas's roster who it, it seemed like it almost took a month to return to full fitness. And he mentioned that it just, it really, really messed with his stamina. It really, really messed with his health. And obviously, more important, the games themselves. It's just, you know, the health of, of these players. So And those around it, them, right? Because if someone yeah, exactly. passes it to Abuelita when they go to her birthday celebration or something, and, and she has, you know, she's more at risk and has some more more health risks than simply uh, the player can't run. You know, that that's the real tragedy of this. But we're, you know, hoping and praying and, and crossing fingers and toes that, that the vaccine rollout can be as good as possible and the pandemic ends as soon as possible, right? But yeah. it's it's it, it would be an extremely optimistic statement and I think a very unrealistic one to say that the the Mexican league specifically, you know, I think it's country by country, but even MLS, right? I don't think anyone will deal with a non-COVID affected season, probably in 2021, but certainly not until the summer. Yeah, agreed. And at the very least, we're hoping for speedy recovery for for those who have been impacted. But uh, but John, looking ahead to the other games this weekend, um, you know, what storylines and uh, matches stand out to you? Oh wow! I'm supposed to pick another one from the ones that we not not the ones that we've talked about. Well, you know, I don't, what I, else? I, what else? I mean, just like quick. I mean, we got San Luis versus Chivas, which I mean, yeah, we're recording. Some, yeah, we're oh, so we're recording this on we just, Thursday. Yeah. We, we didn't talk about it because you probably uh, are getting ready for it or already know what's happening. Uh, Chivas is an interesting story too, right? When you're talking about oh, you know, who who would you sit down with? You know, I think that like there's several figures on Chivas who who could be you know in the mix there. Oribe Peralta kind of making I don't know about a comeback but like being in the picture in some ways again uh, at least in week one you know it's like these older guys they're fascinating figures too Chivas starting off the season with a pair of draws uh, San Luis eh, you know they, they got a little more out of the first yeah, it's a good way to put it it's got, a good way to start more, the season they got more than I thought they would out of that America game so uh, which is to say they scored a goal and had America on the ropes for a little bit so I think you know Chivas should you know fancy themselves to win this game and, and hopefully for them start a positive run because uh you know it hasn't it wasn't the most difficult start to the season and they've only been able to get two points out of two games and they have bigger aspirations so i'm definitely fascinated to watch that as well but yeah. you you probably already know what's happened if you're listening to this exactly yeah so if you're listening to this i just uh, want to congratulate oribe peralta on his hat trick um well, <laughs> well i don't think he'll play but you know like hey he's fascinating to me that he's like suddenly bad like, yeah. he, like, in week one, and, and, like, people, like, commentators and bloggers are like, oh, you guys are a ticket to, like, success. And it's like, I don't think that's true. But, like, yeah. it would be interesting to see him, like, as, like, maybe a super sub or something, you know? But yeah, looking ahead to, to Friday's game, Pueblo for Cholos. Pueblo, I, I think they should be happy with their start to season. And they had a draw with Chivas, went over Cruz Azul. I mean, look really, really organized under the new manager. As for Cholos, it seems like they're still... Whose name, who's name we, we definitely know. <laughs> lot of, I think it's a lot of come on, a lot of come on. I'm pretty sure. I, 90, I, yeah, you're right. 95% sure. I'm 95% sure there's a lot of come on. Um, Cholos, uh, it seems like they're still adjusting to a couple, a few new players. I mean, I've seen comments about how they all trust and like Gede's system, but there's also no denying the fact that Jonathan Orozco is the reason why they have two draws, not two losses right now. So, still work to do for them. Um, we also have Mazatlan versus Santos on Friday. I obviously can't take Santos lightly um, after their wins over Tigres and Cruz Azul. Um, although San Vesel, he could always make things interesting for Mazatlan. And then we have the Luca versus Nacaxa on Sunday. 
I mean, these are probably going to be both mid-table teams by uh, by the end of the season. So I think games like these can help define whether they're in the playoffs or not. John, any, any other thoughts on these, or do you want to uh, dive into the fan questions to wrap things up? Let's hear from the people. All right. So we're starting with Benjamin Snyder, who is at Benjamin 9468506. So maybe he's a bot? I don't know. We'll see. Um, his question is, what do you think about Carlos Rodriguez? How much longer do you think he will stay in Liga Mekis before making a move to Europe? Yeah, I think he's great. I mean, I think that he was a really, really pleasant surprise for Tata Martino, uh, being yeah. able to kind of count on him uh, when he has an injury at one of those interior positions, the, the two-way midfielders, however you are supposed to say it in English. Um He's a guy who, look, I think he sort of encapsulates the issue that a lot of Mexican players are facing because mm-hmm. I think he, like, the set, he's 24. And the sad thing is, yeah, like, the 24. only chance you could see him, like, unless a European team is just like, we have to have him. Or, like, an MLS team is like, we need him for marketing reasons, which I'm not sure that I, I like the kid, but I don't think he's, like, a big enough name for, for that to happen. You know, it's difficult to see a European team coming in and paying the amount. Now, his contract expires, I think, next summer or maybe it's 2023. Like, if he plays it out, doesn't re-sign and then moves, and then he could still have a year or two at the prime of his career in Europe. But it's tough to see. That's the, and, that, and that, like, to me, is the encapsulation of the issue. Like, Monterrey, I, I mentioned they're a fascinating team. They're one of the teams I want to watch and, like, enjoy seeing play. And they, they, they I think, are going to be a lot of fun this year. But, like, he should be in Europe. Mm-hmm. Gallardo should be in Europe. Cesar Montes should already be in Europe. And, like, that's sort of the issue is, like, do you want these players to be in Europe playing, you know, getting better for the purposes of the national team? Or do you want the club that you root for to be prioritized? And, like, and look, like, Bralos doesn't really have any obligation to Mexico. They don't have any obligation to the national team beyond just simply being like, yeah, we'll send our players. So, like, why wouldn't they keep those guys? They're, they're you know, big names. They're marketable. They're, they're young stars. They're going to help them win trophies. But at the same time, I think that's one of the reasons that you don't see Mexico truly breaking into the top five of the FIFA rankings or, or taking the next step, of course, the Quinto Partido of the World Cup. Yeah, I think the issue, too, that at least for me when I've been watching Rialdos recently, is that I think I wonder if I just have too high of expectations for him because I feel like he's been pretty average in recent months for them. I feel like I haven't seen him have like a really outstanding game since September, October. So maybe that also slightly complicates things about him potentially going to Europe. Because if you're a European scout, you're looking at him saying like, yeah, there's this interesting player here, but how could we justify that, that high price tag? You know, if he's been, if he's, if we know, yeah, if he's been looking decent, but not outstanding in, in recent months. Because, because if, if two years ago you said, ah, yeah, he's an interesting player and we can get him for 3 million. It probably happens. But right now, it's like, oh, he's an interesting player, but he's 24, and it's probably going to take us 10 to 15 million. Yeah. Nah, exactly. it's not going to happen, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right, John, let's uh, move on to the next question. It's from Bill Reese, who is at Reese, comma, Bill. Wow, it's like Arnold, comma, comma John. Fascinating. Anywho, <laughs> I just realized that. Like, <laughs> his question is, ask John when his banishment from BBC's World Football phone-in will end. Yeah, I'm not banished. This is a show, for those who don't know, that, that it's a long time, long-running show on the BBC where typically Tim Vickery, the South American expert, um, and another expert from somewhere else in the world will take listener calls for about two hours. It's on the late-night radio on the BBC. 
And so you get like an interesting mix of hardcore soccer fans and like old ladies who can't sleep in Britain. And, and, and so it's like a show that kind of hits both audiences or like truck drivers, like people who are up at, I think it's 2 a.m. local time. They reshuffled the show because of the pandemic and then now it's on Mondays. And I think they tried, you know, like just here, here's some insider scoop. Like I think they're trying to sort of manage the budget because the pandemic caused the BBC, which is a state run, a government run organization that people paid like a license fee to, to, to fund. I think they're trying to keep it more reasonable during the pandemic. Not that I'm on any big money there, but we did get paid by appearances, the other experts. So now I think they just have Tim, who's, you know, absolute fantastic, really, really smart guy and the heart and soul of the radio program. And then uh, bring in other experts kind of as they can. So I hope to return because it's one of my favorite things I do. I've been doing it since 2013. But uh, I don't know, you know, that's that's more of a question for the BBC, but it's not a banishment. I think it's just sort of a cost cutting thing. And I and it's definitely not a situation where they're like, oh, you're never coming back. So I hope I'll be back one day to take everyone's questions on, you know, St. Kitts and Nevis's left back or whatever. <laughs> Hoping for that as well. Um, next question is from Nico, who is at Nico MX 18. He asks the Mexican Onda question mark, please question mark. I mean, t Tom's still Tom is still adjusting to his new gig, you know, but maybe at some point in the future. But until then, you have this, which I guess we can call the Mexican Onda Light for today. Any Mexican Onda Light today? Yeah, the, the mini the mini wave. I don't know. But uh, yeah, we'd, <laughs> the we'd, mini love to, we'd love to catch up uh, sometime. But, you know, Tom is on the other side now. And we're excited for him, man. I think it's really yeah, cool. I, I put out when I you know tweeted about congratulating him. Like, he's a great thinker about football and, and about the sport in general. And not just... You know, he, he's a really good writer and reporter as well. But I think like he has, I don't think he'll mind me sharing that he has aspirations to, to maybe one day do something that's not media, that's not communications and, you know, be involved in running a club. And I think that anybody uh, who, you know, has the opportunity to, to bring him on in that composition will be wise because he really does think about a lot of different topics. And I think you're going to see that fans will see that and, and, and others will see that as he uh, works with Orlegi now. And kind of expands their name internationally and, and and does a lot of things there so we're excited for him and yeah hopefully yeah. we can all get on mic at some point and, and, and catch up and uh, publish that but we were never exactly the most uh, rigorously publishing show in the first place so uh <laughs> i'd be surprised quarterly at some point it was almost a it was almost a seasonal show i'd be surprised if now with tom doing even less media stuff if that that becomes a more frequent show but uh we appreciate the support nico no doubt yeah definitely most uh most definitely appreciate the support and we're going to close out with a question from sal urtado who's at sal urtado he says would Club Necaxa be a title contender if they would have kept all their players that's a good uh, question a, yeah i well it depends on how far back you want to go as well right so like what which which players i started do you think i'm putting you on the spot which players do you think would like turn the tide i mean i'm a that's big that's fan that's I'm a big fan of Quiroga, and if he had Chicote at the level that he was at with them. Yeah, you are a Quiroga stan. And Chicote, yeah, all right. So I you're just I, going back, like, two tournaments. I'm just going back to, I'm, well, I guess I'm just thinking more so of the recent past. I mean, I guess we could also add Jesus Angula when he was at, uh, I'm thinking of another Chivas player that uh, went from Necaxa to Chivas. I think that he's another player that really stood out. Um, maybe he's not the same level with Chivas, but I think with Necaxa, he was definitely killing it. But those three players right there, I think... I'm not gonna say that they'd be a title contender if they yeah, held on to that. those three. And I think, I think in general, I think if we were to go back in recent years, I think they'd be a strong 
playoff contender season after season if they had made more of an impact or if they made more of a decision to kind of hold on to their players. But I still think that they would have trouble over two legs against teams like Tigres, America, Rayados, and León. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I mean, they had a run, I guess it was just last, man, it seems like forever ago, but I guess it was just last winter that they made the semifinals. Is that right? Yeah, I forgot. It's... But yeah. yeah, I mean, I think if you go back and say like, okay, Alex Aguinaga is playing and, and Nacho Ambriz is playing instead of coaching, then, uh, well, they did win championships. But yeah, you know, you could, you could see them, you could see them uh, hanging in like a, in, a, in an all-time historical sense but uh the, those those players i think that cesar you're mentioning yeah absolutely talented players and and you wish you know if you're an akaxa fan i'm sure that they would have kept them and i think managerially you know with all respect to Jose cruz like you know guillermo vasquez i think is maybe more ambitious if they had been able to you know if nacho Ambriz was coaching them instead of leon you know a legend at the club um then maybe you're looking at uh yeah this team will, will compete for a trophy or, or or compete regularly for trophies there's still some good pieces there, you know. I I, I like Zendejas, who I covered yeah. with Dallas when you know from El Paso. He had a great goal in Week One, and he's a guy who I think like, yeah, maybe maybe not gonna break out at Chivas, but but probably better than I think he showed there, and and has a chance to really. He's still still pretty young, so you know yeah. there 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 are still pieces there, as I'm sure uh, the questioner knows. I, I assume they're an Akaxa fan, but uh, but yeah, you know, I I don't think you'd say like ah, this team is. He's not going to make the playoffs, but uh, yeah, they're certainly not title contenders, I know. Yeah, I mean, Santecas, it's interesting. He's actually, it feels like he's older, but he's only 22. He's actually yeah. called up to Mexico's U23, uh, U23 like training at some point uh, late last year. Fernando Arce, uh, well, I should say Fernando Arce Jr., um, is also a part of the squad. I've been fairly intrigued by him as well, but I wonder if, if by his question, he means from like, all time like can you imagine if they held on to every single player they've had just you know, just <laughs> well since, the roster would be too big they this is the 1930s the just just thousands of players just an incredible how confused, incredible how confused if you like reanimated a, a late a deceased nakaxa player from the 1940s and you're like ah oh, yeah hey first of all you're back alive again surprise second of all we need you to like play for this team and like they'd be like all right cool i'm ready to suit up and like gonna find an apartment in mexico city you'd be like ooh, about that <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you live in Aguascalientes now. Maybe like, oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> also, there are no longer English managers, and also the Hungarian coaches, for whatever reason, are just no longer in fashion. And like, <laughs> in Mexico, it's just not happening Hungary, anymore. Hungary is bad again, but they might be good again. I, yeah, that, that kid at uh, RV Leipzig, man, is uh, is something to watch. I can't pronounce his name, but but he's yeah. awesome. The nineteen-year-old who hits the free kicks. Oof. Yeah. Anywho, I feel like we should start uh, wrapping it up if we're talking about Hungarian like, <laughs> and coaches. Yeah, Hungarian coaches and bringing uh, players back to life. It probably uh, <laughs> jumped jump the shark a little bit. <laughs> so, John, for those who may not know, tell them where they could find you in your newsletter online. Oh, yeah, it's impossible to find. Uh, I, I like to say that since it's about CONCACAF, it's like a little bit more complicated than it needs to be and sort of a tribute to the region. Uh, you can just go to get concacaf dot substack.com or if you google john arnold newsletter it should come up uh on google or bing or whatever your preferred search engine is duck duck go i think a lot of people are using now um it should come up 
But basically, it's a newsletter that covers the CONCACAF region. A lot of these stories just do not get told and I think are really interesting. Um, I'm interested by them, so I write about them. Right now, it's just a passion project. I do it for free, and maybe I'll do like subscriptions and that kind of thing at some point in the future. But I, my intention is to always leave the sort of interesting stories that I find up for free. Right now on the newsletter, as we speak, the latest story is about the Puerto Rico national team, sort of the, the strategies that they have and, and the difficulties they have in recruiting players because, you know, uh, Puerto Ricans are Americans, but they compete separately in international sports. So they a lot of times have to find guys, you know, the, there's no professional league on the island. So anyway, I get into it in the story. It's much more concise there than, than if I just ramble on about it. And then coming soon is another piece in, you know, based in Puerto Rico. The only team outside of Liga Mekis, MLS, or Costa Rica, or now Honduras after Olympia made it to the CONCACAF Champions League semifinals. The only team not from those four kind of best leagues in the region to ever make the CCL semifinals was the 2009 Puerto Rico Islanders, oh, a, team yeah. no longer, a team that no longer exists, a team that also beat the crud out of the LA Galaxy in Carson at, at one point in the CCL, but not in this year that we're talking about. The year that we're talking about, they went to the Estadio Azul, remember that? And, uh, yeah. and, and took Cruz Azul, they beat Cruz Azul in Puerto Rico, they took Cruz Azul to penalties in the second leg. I talked with a couple different members and the coach of that team. I'm writing that story right now. I'm going to be putting oh, nice. that looking forward to, to kind of retelling that story that, that I don't think many people recognize. I know that a lot of people say, ah, CCL, no one cares, Conca Champions, like Mexico dominates. Fair enough. Like, it is interesting to remember these sort of underdog runs. And a lot of the guys I talked to said it's, it's a bit of a shame that, you know, people don't really talk about yeah, the freaking Puerto Rico Islanders. They they made it. To Were the they the USL or like what the USL used to? Be? I know we should be wrapping it up, but like that was that, like I don't even know what the USL was even called at that point. Or like it was. I think it was called uh, USL. Uh, I can't. I, yeah, but it was it was like USL one or something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what they were in. They they sort of dominated because whenever teams would go to Puerto Rico, like the fans are actually out, like. So it's considered a baseball country, boxing, even like basketball and like the 1979 Pan American Games. They got the silver medal. They went to the 80 uh, Olympics in Moscow, which were boycotted by the U.S. And then the U.S. pressured Puerto Rico to also boycott. And so there were players that even, I think, made it over to Moscow and didn't play. Anyway, they've, they've got this like long tradition that doesn't really include soccer, but but there are soccer elements. So if that story sounds interesting to you, if other things from CONCACAF, like the worst team in the world, Anguilla, uh, the worst-rated team in CONCACAF. I did a story on them uh, a couple couple of weeks ago. It, it goes to your inbox directly, and I, I really appreciate it if you sign up. Uh, it just helps me see like that there is an interest in it and, and kind of determine what I want to do next as like an independent creator um, who's, like I said, just kind of doing this for fun right now. But, you know, hey, look, if somebody wants to toss a few bucks, I might, might make that an option here at some point in the future. But, uh, yeah, check it out. It's uh, Getting CONCACAF is the name. And I always say if you get the joke, in the name and the newsletters for you <laughs> well that's it for us uh, thanks to john thanks to listeners and thanks to producer amy for posting these online don't forget to give us a rating review on apple Podcasts. And if you want to connect with us on social media you can find us on twitter at mex soccer show and on instagram at the mexican soccer show thanks again and until next time we'll see you on the next episode see you guys around <laughs>